Well, thank you for coming. It looks like, uh, as I looked at last week and looking here, it looks like we are now coming back and gathering. Seems like a lot more people coming here. And uh, it's just neat to be together. It's neat to be as a group. There's something about crowds that I actually like. I like when I go to events and it's crowded. There's just something that stirs up a lot of things. It even stirs up some of your emotions a little bit more. So uh, today, uh, it's an interesting message. We are continuing with the, uh, the Ten Commandments. I love, Ben, what you said. The Jewish people call it the Ten Words. I love that way better. I like the Ten Words. And, uh, and I think that today we're going to talk about something that might strike you a little bit different than the way that you have read it or the way that I have read it when we first uh, kind of hear it. You, uh, it's the third commandment or the third word. And, uh, and you might have maybe read it and then listened to it and put your own um, kind of ex- explanation of it. But it says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And uh, as I got that, I was actually kind of excited. I don't know if, Ben, you just picked draw out of a hat or not, but I was excited because I have felt so often we have a, a church world that has really misunderstood that verse. And uh, I think for years I had misunderstood that verse, and I think by the time we're done today, you're going to find that as possibly one of your funnest verses uh, in the Ten Commandments. It's just really neat. Remember, when we look at anything in Scripture, it is uh, dangerous to just take and pick out a verse and try to interpret something by that verse. It's always wise that we look at the whole Scripture as one complete story, and that everything then fits into that story, the purpose of this book that was given to us and revealed to us was simply not the, the letters on the pages here. This is a book that's telling us about a person. And that person is the living Christ. And that Jesus Christ has desired from the very beginning before time to have a deep, intimate relationship with you and me. That story continues throughout the entire Bible. It's a story about deliverance and freedom. It's a story about being rescued. And it's a story then about a deep interpersonal uh, relationship with God. Remember that as you're reading. So every single thing you read is God telling you that I designed you, that I might go ahead and draw you to myself, that I might inhabit your very life, live within you, and you and I would cohabitate together in such a neat way that I would be your dwelling place and that we would have a relationship. Now, if you will keep that in mind as you look at things you read in here that seem to be contrary, remember that it's always, always pointing to that. And you'll see that even this verse is really pointing to that. It's got some really interesting things that are going on. Now, we're going to take a little bit of time and... uh, kind of take apart a little bit of what, what uh, these words mean. And in doing so, I think it's really important that we uh, take off the old and put on the new. If you'll notice in Scripture, and whether it's in Ephesians or Romans or in Psalms, it says, in order for our lives to be transformed, that means it has some type of a meat substance to it that changes your life, we have to take off that which is old and put on that which is new. 
that which is maybe not true to put on something true. This is so, so been driven home recently in a lot of the stuff that's going on in our world today and a lot of the things where people are, have their minds been being occupied with uh, the world. And it's really amazing how when people are so committed and so have such a bias about something, no matter what you say, they cannot hear anything different than what they believe. And so it's really important for us to say, wait a minute, is it possible that what we believe may not be accurate? Is it possible that we are willing to say, oh Lord, search me and know my heart and try me and know my thoughts and see if there be anything not right or wicked within me? And so I think some things we need to do is we need to take and, and say, these are some things that I think we need to re-examine. Now, uh, our pastor, our senior pastor, is Ben Green. Those of you that are watching for your first time, he's our senior pastor. And, and when, when God had asked me to serve Ben as one of the preaching team, uh, regardless of our ages, differences, uh, there was something that God said, okay, if you're going to go ahead and take this, I want you to always be honoring to him and honoring to his name. And so honoring to Ben, okay, as we're going to see, is not so much what it says, don't take Ben's name in vain. That doesn't mean when I'm walking up here and I, oh, I, well, Ben Green, Ben Green. <clears throat> but yet so many of us have just put the name Jesus Christ as just a swear word if we get mad. That is not at all what this is talking about. Now, yes, it isn't appropriate to use Jesus' name that way or God's name that way, but that is not at all what this verse is talking about. This verse has something way more encompassing and actually way more positive. In vain basically means to use his name empty, to misrepresent his name, to... Uh, have no profit in his name, or to swear falsely in his name. That means you use his name for your own benefit. Do not use the name of the Lord for your own benefit falsely. Don't say things that are untrue. That is basically taking the Lord's name in vain. So that's the word in vain. It is don't let it be empty. Whenever you use, uh, basically, your, your life to be representative, represent his name accurately. But in order to do that, we need to look at what does it mean. Do not take the name of the Lord. Okay. Uh, that is, if you look in the Hebrew word, that word is way more significant. It's not even talking mostly about speech. It's talking about the way you and I live our life. It's the way that we live daily uh, I love this quote that I got. It says uh, that we are, we are basically to live our life in a way that demonstrates the freedom that's been given to us that actually lifts up and honors the name of God. And so it's the way that we live. It's, it's the, to take up, is to live your life in a way that's not at all taking the Lord's name in vain, being empty. So that's where take up. Uh, the thing that I want to spend some time on is because I think it's incredible, and that is, it's easy to read through here and miss that. It said, do not take the name. And I want to stop here for a minute, and let's look at the name. The name of God. 
God is very jealous about his name. God is very uh, committed that you and I understand the full gamma of his name. This last week, I've, I've known I've had this message for a long time, but this last week, and especially the, the last days, there just seems to be that I just got under attack, uh, a lot of spiritual attack. I wasn't really aware that it was spiritual at the time. Somehow you're just ignorant each time. Why in the world would I not think so? But uh, I encourage you as a people that, uh, that you pray throughout the week for who's ever coming up here that you would pray a hedge of protection around them. We need you to cover us. Uh, we need you to pray so that we can read and not be tormented on that thing. Uh, I believe that that's your role to do. Your job is to help protect us to present to you this word. And I, I, I want to encourage you so that we know that, okay, as I'm studying and the attacks are coming, that somehow you have stood before your God and you have prayed a covering protection around us so that we might be able to come up here and present accurately. I do not want to take the name of the Lord in vain up here at the pulpit. And that's easy to do if I'm simply not guarded and I'm not guarding myself. Because it's real easy for us to let our flesh go ahead and get involved and do that. But the name of the Lord is, is incredible. And I think it's important that we understand that, and I think we'll kind of put some meat on this. Uh, you don't have to look at it now. I think it might be up on the screen, but I, I think one of the greatest prayers that I look at the Bible, and I, I, I loved it so much that I memorized it because it was when David had, was getting ready to die, and David had went out and raised all of the funds and all the money and all of the things to build the temple. But he was not going to get to build the temple. He was going to go ahead and raise the money, get it ready, and then he was going to hand it to his son Solomon, who was going to be able to build the temple. And so, in doing so, when he came to the conclusion of that, it was like an amazing anointing came over him in this prayer. And I encourage you, even today or sometime this week, take that prayer and take it and go through it slowly. It is fascinating. And the prayer simply is going to lift up the name of God. It is going to raise up the name so you and I know who we are representing here. And so when he, when he went to pray he, before the assembly, he said, Blessed are you, O God of Israel, the Father uh, forever and ever. And then he says, And the Lord said, uh, Greatness and power and glory and victory and majesty and uh, everything that you have in the heavens and on the earth is yours. And the, you are the dominion, O Lord. And, O Lord, thou dost exalt thyself above over all. Both riches and honor come from you. And thou dost rule over all. And in your hand is power and might. And it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Now, therefore, our God... We thank you and we praise your glorious name. For who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so generously as this? For all things came from you, and from your hand we have just given back to you. You see, we are sojourners before you, O Lord, and tenants, as all our fathers were. And our days on this earth are just like a shadow, and there's no hope. But, O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have been provided to build this house in your name, it is 
It is from your hand, and it's all is yours. And since I now know, O oh my God, that you try our hearts and you delight in unrighteous and not in delight in unrightness, I, in the integrity of my heart, have willingly offered all of these things. So now, with joy, I have seen your people, who are present here, make their offerings for you. I love the part that. Your name, thine is the greatness and the power and the victory and the majesty and the dominion and everything in the heavens and on the earth is yours and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. That's our God. And so the word honor is to represent that name and who he is and his full character. It's his reputation. It's his value. It's who he is. And I'm to live in a way that represents who he is. I'm to live in a way that is honoring to his name in that way. I remember years ago, uh, I was invited to uh, attend after 9-11 took place. Some of you younger people, that was uh, a terrible time. But but it was a time that 9-11 took place. We were under attack. And we were invited to go to uh, New York City. And we were going to go ahead and go into the, the... the heart of where the pain was and, and the people that were hit by this and lost loved ones. And so what happened is they took and they gave us a badge and the badge had around it you'd wear around your neck and it basically said Billy Graham. Because the Billy Graham Association is what let us get into the doors. We could get into places that nobody else could get into because of wearing the name Billy Graham. But they said, I want you to make sure that when you are here, you are representing Billy Graham. And so live in a manner that represents him accurately. That would not take his name in vain and make it be empty or use it for your own thing or, or mislead it or in a lying way. So to represent his name was to act in a manner that, that was honoring to Billy Graham and what God had done through his life. Does that make sense to you? Does that make sense that when we say don't take the name of the Lord in vain, the flip of that is what you're supposed to be looking at is are you and I living in a manner that is honoring to God's name? That it's reflecting his character. So that when people even look at him, somehow they're drawn to this person. Have you ever been uh, with people where uh, somebody's telling you about somebody they knew, and they tell you about them, and they, they tell you so much that they're so excited that you already start liking the person before you've even met them. And you can't w- wait to meet them. And by the way, you meet them, and whether they're really as cool as they said they are, they're cool to you because you've already had it built up, they're cool. You go, wow, he is something or she is something. That's what this verse is talking about. And so when you take the verses that Ben and Nick talked about and basically are talking about loving the Lord your God, don't take idols uh, and strange idols before you, that love the Lord your God with all your heart is the first command. The second is love your neighbors yourself, which really is what this verse is talking about. This is a positive thing of now that you love the Lord your God and you've not gone ahead and take idols before you, but you're going to lay down your life to love him, receive his love, and give it out, now live in a manner that's honoring to God by loving one another. That is honoring to God. And the way that you're honoring is you're lifting my name up, which is going to show you how to live this life and demonstrate this life. 
That's what this verse is talking about. And all the rest of them are basically wrapped up underneath these. So all the rest that we're going to talk about are wrapped up all the way in these first three commands. And actually the first two is what it would be. So listen to some of these verses here. So what we do to take the name and we can kind of make it void and make it non-existent uh, is in Mark 7 it says, And he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you, you hypocrites. For as it is written, These people, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and you hold to the traditions of men. And he said to them, you have fine ways of rejecting the word of God in order to establish your own traditions. Thus you make void or you make in vain the word of God by your own traditions that you have handed down and many such things of these are you doing. I think one of the biggest ways that we can make void the word of God is that we take and we start adding on to what God's character has been revealed to us. And so we make all these rules, these religious rules, and all these different things that we lay on other people, and we lay those traditions on them in spite of what the word of God says. And he says, and many such things as you're doing, and when you do that, you make void the word of God. You're all familiar with Galatians uh, chapter 2 where it says, I have been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, but no longer I that live, but the life of Christ that lives within me. And as he says that, he goes on later and says, don't uh, make void the cross. Don't make void the word of God. Do not nullify the word of God okay, by your own works, pretty much. And that's another way that we make void the word of God. We make it in vain. Is we think we can somehow work our way into this and so we make our own little rules and everybody in here has their own little ideas of what is right and wrong and we make little kind of packs with ourselves that these are wrong and we lift our noses up at people that aren't keeping those and then the ones that keep them we buddy up with that is using the name of the Lord in vain so that says do not use the name of the Lord in vain so I'm going to kind of break this down to you. Remember the whole, Jesus says that, uh, he says that no one owes, owe no one anything except to love each other, and the one who loves another has fulfilled the whole law. For the commandments, you shall not commit murder, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandments are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to your neighbor, therefore love is a fulfilling of the law. Uh, Tom's still in here, or did he leave? Oh, you're up there. Uh, I did not ask him permission to share this, but I was really moved uh, the last time he was here, and those of you that if you did not hear what he said, uh, I think Tom was making an open confession to uh, the people of his church and the people that were listening uh, as Nick, I think, talked about idols, and Tom realized that God had revealed in his life that he had had an idol, and his idol was in his view of his political standing, and it got so much that it distracted him. And it distracted him so much that I, I believe the Holy Spirit came and moved on him and brought a conviction. Now, what that would be like is 
Tom was taking the name of the Lord in vain. Does that make sense? And Tom would agree to that. But I say this to honor Tom's name. I was moved by the fact that when God revealed that to him, he did not just let it pass. He let it go ahead and transform his life, and he made a turn, and he repented from that, and then made public the fact that he had sinned and what God had done in his life. And when he did, he magnified the name of Jesus, that God is a forgiving God and a holy God, and therefore he says, I'm going to serve this God. That was honoring the name of the Lord. So you saw a complete thing that happens every day in all of our lives. Nobody in here has, has kept this third commandment. Do not take the name of the Lord in vain. We all do. But those of you that will go ahead and be still and say, God, speak to me. How in the world have I been dishonoring to your name? How have I used your name empty? How have I not trusted in your name so that I've taken your name in vain? And then when he brings that to your mind, and I promise you, if you ask the Holy Spirit, he will tell you and put his finger on it. Now you get to do with what you want to do with it. What are you going to do when he brings that conviction? If you, bring, if you go to shame and condemnation, you're back nullifying the grace of God and saying he died uselessly on the cross. But if you'll go ahead and say, God, thank you for identifying it. Thank you that I can recognize that. I recognize, God, that I've been that way in the way that I've handled money. I look at that and I see that that's the way that I, I've, I've handled your name and, and, and wearing your name on me when I'm driving my car and people don't drive the way I think they ought to drive. Or at an athletic event. And especially if that athlete is your daughter or son. Or towards the coach. Okay. Or I've done that way in our political world. And so we went ahead, and if I was to look at all the words and the things that I have said about your children, I said, I, God, I have used your name in vain. This is not to condemn you. It's to basically show you there is a different way. And there is a different way that actually leads to life. It says it leads to life. And that is the very fullness of experiencing God. And so why, what can we do? And how can we begin to walk through this? And how can we begin to see how we can make a transformation so that we can be fulfilling that? Number one, this is a, this is a sad news for you. You cannot do this. You can give it your best shot, and you will miserably fail. God says, you cannot fulfill this unless you abide in the vine. Because nobody can bear any fruit unless they abide in the vine. When I first started studying it, I, I began to go ahead and try, uh, and I just, I don't know why, but I, I tend to go back under my flesh and try, to, I'm going to do this. I'm just going to be honoring, you know, be kind to everybody and polite to everybody. And I did it for a good hour. <laughs> you can't do it. I want you to hear this. Jesus Christ is the only one that kept the third commandment. Everything he did he said, was honoring to his father. He lived a life that was totally honoring to his father in everything he said and everything he did. 
He fulfilled the whole purpose of the law and never did he use the name's Lord in vain. There were times he was tempted to. And by the way, every temptation that comes to you and me, it says he was tempted in every way that you and I have been tempted. He did not give in. He said, no, that is not honoring to my father. So the good news about that, when he was on this planet and he lived here and he said, your hearts are troubled, dear disciples. They're troubled and they shouldn't be so troubled. Because you're troubled that I'm going away, but if I don't go away, I will not be able to come back and send the comforter to live inside you. In the same way that the Father lived inside me, that I did only that which was honoring to the Father, I now am going to go ahead and leave and send the comforter, and I will come and be in you in the same way the Father was in me, so that you can therefore fulfill the commandment, because I will lay it on your heart. And so now it takes on a different look. I don't go around trying not to use the names Lord in vain. I don't even let that enter my mind. My mind, if I'm focusing on it, is to say, Father, how do you want to live through me today that's honoring to your name? And I look around for the ways that he wants to live his life through me that's honoring. And if you do that, you will not use the name of the Lord in vain. Do not commit adultery. I don't go around all day trying not to commit adultery. If I'm going to go ahead and let the life of Christ live in me, I can say, Father, this day, I might have blown it yesterday, but this day I want to be a vessel for you to live your life through me by the power of the Holy Spirit to show me and demonstrate how can I love the wife that you gave me. And in doing that, I will not commit adultery. Does that make sense? I don't even have to go through all the hundred lists that you're supposed to be as a husband. Because I'll fail at some of them. But if I go ahead and say, God, this was the design. If I live in a way that's honoring to you and not taking your name in vain as a husband, then I will be honoring and loving to my wife. He says, thou shalt not steal. I don't go around trying not to steal. I go ahead and say, okay, how do you want to live your life through me and by the resources that you have given me? Because everything comes from your right hand and and it's basically given to the left. Who am I to boast that I have anything that did not come from you? So therefore, God, let me look today at where you want to flow through my life and see those in need that I might be able to share that which you've given me to those people. If I do that, I will not steal. Is that making any sense to you guys? If we just take these Ten Commandments and try to not do them, number one, you will fail, you will not keep them, and you'll have missed the whole purpose of the Ten Commandments. Let me conclude with this, the purpose. The purpose of this. The law came, and these laws came, to help shape the way that we live in response to our freedom. And so the law also came that we might be shut up to our own behavior and our own sin and become totally dependent upon Jesus Christ as your source of life that will lead you into an intimate relationship with him. This is quite ingenious to me. It seems like everything, and I've said this in our preacher's meeting, I said, have you guys noticed that almost every message is just a different way of saying the same thing? That's the scriptures. 
God is so wanting a deep, intimate relationship with you that he has designed life in such a way that if you want to go ahead and keep a bunch of rules and things that you've listed out, you will miss the relationship and you will try to keep the rules. And if you do that, God will say, go for it. Let your own behavior correct you and you will fail miserably. And he says, until the law will fulfill its purpose, which is to drive you to me so that now you can have a relationship with me and therefore you will depend upon me and listen to me and how to live life and how to fulfill life that will basically let you experience freedom. And that's the only place you're going to find freedom. Nowhere else. I've given it my best try in every way I can and the only time that I find freedom is when I basically surrender and say, God, I cannot. You can. You designed to live in my life. And so therefore, let me go ahead and let you live through my life. And if you'll go ahead and do that, I promise you there is unbelievable joy in the presence of God. And these laws are not burdensome. The commands become burdensome. Tom, do you have a song to end? Let me pray for you while they come up. Father, I would pray right now that our eyes would be open to the things that you have desired to reveal to us. That everything that is revealed by you simply draws us in a deeper union with you. That if we remove you from it, it becomes a formula of do's and don'ts that you have made it uh, and set up in this world that are impossible to keep that would frustrate us. Holy Spirit, there's no possible way that we can live this life without you empowering us. But we welcome you not to live in us so that we can live the life right, but you live in us so that we can have a relationship with you and that that's where all of life will be found. And I pray that this body of believers and this church would not take your name in vain, that we would honor you and how we walk and live when we go out this door in our homes, in our workplaces, and in the city. And that somehow people would be eager to find out who you are. And we ask you to do it totally in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.